and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Go ahead and have a seat. So I'm going to set my timer. Thank you. Thanks for your patience. So good morning and welcome. I want to tell you guys, great to see everybody here. Uh, Normally at MacAv, we walk verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the scriptures. Because of the season that we're in getting ready to celebrate, as Pastor E has said, Super Bowl Sunday for the believer, Easter, uh, we're going through a Lenten series on the I Am series. Today's title comes from John 1.38, Where Are You Staying? And before we even started, I want to just ask you guys to give a high five to our dear, dear friends, Sharon and Marco Lolio. We've been friends with these guys for probably three decades. Marco and I and Sharon have been on a dozen missions trips uh, in earthquakes together, literally, and just dear, dear friends uh, who came down to kind of celebrate my birthday and hear me preach. Sharon actually gave me the first opportunity to preach at that Christmas service, if you remember. Praise the Lord. Uh, I'm sorry? <laughs> Thank you. Um, so we're going to have a three-point focus today. We're going to discuss vines and branches. We're going to show the connections between verses 7 and 8 and Mac's mission statement. And we're going to ask ourselves the question that's found in John 1.38. Where are you staying? So if you guys would pray with me. Lord Jesus, man, what a great time of worship. Lord, we are excited. We're excited to hear the word of God. We're excited that you've given your Holy Spirit to live in us. We're excited that your word is alive. Father God, and gives us power over the enemy. It gives us wisdom insight. It grounds us. Thank you that Jesus became flesh among us as the word, and we have the written word. So Lord, proclaim your word today through a broken vessel. May your name be honored. We love you. We need you desperately. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we start the main conversation, I'd like to offer you some analogies to help your mind's eye maybe in modern-day vernacular, wrap your mind around this I am the vine statement. 
recognizing that analogies only tell a portion of the full picture and they're never going to be a perfect one-on-one relationship. So take what I'm going to tell you, chew the meat, spit out the bones. Many of you know that in September, I got a new puppy named after my favorite author, A.W. Tozer. And I want you guys to see if you can see a connection between vine and branches. On the vine, Tozer is the branch. The night we brought her home, I set a chair next to my bed. I had the kennel. She was sleeping, and I slept with my hand in there to give her comfort. She had just been ripped away from brothers and sisters, from mom and dad, so I wanted to give her comfort. For the next three months, every morning, I would pick her up, literally, and carry her down a couple of flights of stairs, take her outside, put her down, and go to the bathroom. For months I did that until she was just too big. I fed her every morning breakfast. I gave her water to drink. I nourished her by taking her to the vet where they gave her medicine. She is an extension of me. I'm teaching her good and bad behavior so that she grows up as a rojek in some measure. Now, I didn't, I didn't know that the Lolios were coming here, but my second analogy is for our 25th wedding anniversary, the Lolios were celebrating their 25th, and the four of us went to Hawaii. And Marco and I said, hey, let's go scuba diving. So think about vine and branches. Marco and I go through like, what, 10 minutes worth of lessons and strap these air, uh, you know, air tanks on our back, regulators. We dive into the ocean, and we're down 30 feet. Now think about the connection there. The air was my vine. Apart from that, was there any hope of sustenance? No. You know, if Marco would have come over, cut my hose, or pulled my regulator out, how long am I going to survive? I wouldn't have. Vine and branches. Now this one I think is really, really spot on. Think of a woman who's pregnant. That baby is utterly dependent on the mother for everything it receives after initial conception. If the mother eats healthy, the baby gains health. If the mother has some caffeine, baby's going to feel that caffeine. Everything that that baby needs provided by the Lord through the mother. Man, that's a great connection of vines and branches. And also to show continuity in the scriptures, I want to give you some other ideas to help you understand this vine, uh, the vine concept, vine and branches. Now, we've done a bunch of them already in the I Am series. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light, I'm the gate, I'm the gatekeeper, I'm the good shepherd. All of those talk to like the, the nourishing effect and the all-encompassing life that comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. But I want to give you four more that I think, again, just give you guys some different components and ideas that might fit your style of learning. Acts 4.11 says this, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven among men by which we might be saved. Now, a cornerstone defines a foundation. If you talk to Justin Mast, who's an architect, he'll tell you, if you have a firm foundation, 
everything that's above that has opportunity to be healthy. But without a sure foundation, if it's broken, if it's sinking, if it's crooked, everything is thrown off after that. Everything. And here the scriptures say Jesus is our cornerstone. I mean, think about how many times we're driving around our neighborhood and we see porches that have collapsed. I mean, that seems like a kind of a normal thing in Detroit. And it's because its foundational pillars, an idea of a cornerstone, have collapsed because they were made out of wood and they've been corrupted for a while. Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body, the church. The brain is considered the vine of life for humans. Everything else is a branch of that vine. Think of how we define death. They're brain dead. We don't say, and I'm not saying this lightly, we don't say, oh, they're tonsil dead. They're femur dead. We say they're brain dead. Apart from the brain, the body might be alive, but there's no use in it. There's no function in it. Romans 8.29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. If you're here today and you're a believer, you're only a believer because there was a firstborn. If there wasn't a firstborn, there wouldn't have been a second or a millionth or a hundred millionth, wherever we're at in that lineage. Jesus is the firstborn that you and I might be sons and daughters and brothers of Jesus Christ himself. And then finally in Acts 17, 28, it says, for in him we live, we move, and we exist. And there's another version, I don't remember if it's a King James, but it says, we live and move and we have our being. Our very nature comes from the vine. So I've seen that there's three R's in my mind that I want to bring to you guys about our relationship with the vine. And the first R is that of a rescue, that we've gained initial life from the vine. Romans 11.24 says, If you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree. I want to give you a little background. A wild olive tree. There's another scripture that says we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, into the kingdom of light. The wild olive tree, we all believe that every human being has been created in the image of God. But they are initially in the wild olive tree family until God takes his knife, which is his word, cuts open our heart and says, guess what? You are corrupt and you need to be grafted into the cultivated olive tree, which is the kingdom of God. Now, real briefly, I assume most of you guys know this, but a grafting is a process whereby uh, like an arborist or a botanical person will maybe make a slice in a tree branch or a plant and take this branch, cut it off, place it in there, and through nourishing that 
vine, a branch taken from here becomes part of this family and is an outpouring of its new host. We talk about skin grafts where someone's been burned and we take healthy, live, pink, sustainable flesh, put it over after the old's been removed and before you know it, maybe you can't even tell, maybe those are small scar, but that new flesh has been grafted in and becomes a whole, a part of that person. Verse 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So there's two things I want to focus on here. I am the true vine, and already you are clean. That first, in 15, when he says, I am the true vine, is a declaration of life. And what's happening here is we've gained a new source of spiritual DNA. We've been grafted, we've been removed from the wild olive branch, the kingdom of darkness, translated into a new branch and that branch is the vine of Jesus Christ. When he says, you're clean now, you're clean already because of the word that I've spoken to you. First thing that came to my mind is, remember when Jesus is washing the disciples' feet and then our buddy Peter sticks his foot in the mouth again and he says, man, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus says, well, guess what? If I don't, you got no part in me. Okay, well then wash all of me. I mean, man, what a control freak. But the, what does Jesus say? He says, you are clean now as I wash just your feet. I don't have to wash your head. I don't have to wash your arms. I don't have to wash any other part of you. Jesus is saying here, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Does a rose or a lilac or an orange become more of a lilac or an orange as it gets older? No. Its DNA determined what it was going to be. Now, of course, they can become healthier. They can become more fragrant. An orange can taste better as processes are determined through it. But it does not gain any more. And kind of the point I want to make here is when Jesus says, you are clean, done deal. Done deal. You're in the kingdom of heaven. You've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of his dear son. There's nothing else that we add to the gospel of salvation. Christ alone is sufficient for your and my sin. John 1 verse 4 says, in him was life. And that's what we're discussing. So the second R is that we are to rely on Christ, the vine. We are sustained by this vine. We're going to read some verses. Abide in me, I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. Branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Think of all the repetition here. 
Jesus says either an exact speech or verbal similes, the nuances of the order of the relationship. The only order of true health in this relationship is he is the vine and we are the branches. And if we're not abiding in him, that's not going to be the case. He says, if you stay in me, I'm sorry, if you don't stay in me, then dysfunction, crippling consequences, and death come, with the final outcome being tossed aside as a branch and burned. But he says, guess what? You abide in me, then fruit and life. Now let's go back to the analogy I gave you earlier of the mother and the baby. So let's say the mother's had the baby, mom and dad are in the uh, birthing room, Doctors have the baby, they've cleaned the baby up, they've determined the baby's healthy. They bring the baby over and they set the baby on the mother's lap. Now, if this could happen, what would you think of if the baby looked up at mom and dad and said, man, thanks, got it. <laughs> what, would you, what, what would you say? you got to be kidding me. You don't even know how to change your own diaper. You can't feed yourself. Where are you going to get nourishment? We are relying on the vine. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Not some things, nothing. Another idea, what happens to a living plant when it's severed, or a branch when it's severed from the plant? Again, I drive down to Florida because I like oranges. I see an orange tree, cut the branch off, bring it back home, set it on my mantle, eat two or three oranges, and then the lolios come over and I say, man, what the heck is with this thing? doesn't give me any more fruit. They're going to look at me and say, man, you're an idiot. You've disconnected that thing from the root of life. It's vine. But that's what we do when we disconnect ourselves from the word of God or from Christ himself. Okay, again, remember what we're talking about. We're talking about relying on the vine. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 8. Man, long scripture, so I'm going to go. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through what? The knowledge of him who's called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he's granted to us these great and precious promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Verse 3 says, We've been given everything that's required for our new life and regeneration via knowledge of him. The more complete the knowledge, the greater the opportunity for understanding. The more complete the knowledge, the greater the opportunity for understanding. When you read a book... Do you read the introduction and then just skip to the middle and read a sentence or two and then read the end and see the conclusion and then 
when you're having a conversation with somebody, you tell them that you've read the book? Is there some knowledge there? Yeah. Is there complete knowledge? No. Can you have a healthy conversation about the book? No. Because you know three little sentences in this thing. That's why good and healthy churches like Mac are constantly asking us and reminding us who the source of our knowledge is. The word of God himself, the vine of our very existence, Christ. We need to daily be eating of the word of God in order to have a complete understanding and knowledge. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Verse 5, make every effort. Although the vine is the foundation, we must add the practicality of these self-disciplines in our life in order for us to grow. Remember we talked earlier, can a lilac become more of a lilac? No, because its DNA is locked. Can a lilac become more fragrant as we nourish that lilac? Yeah. Guess what? We can become better equipped. We can be a greater sense of aroma to those around us as we have a better understanding and a knowledge of the scripture. And I really want to point that out because very oftentimes we hear somebody grab a tangent out of context and it's because they haven't gone through the whole scripture. They've read the middle chapter of the book and they think that they've got clear understanding and they don't. It's perverted understanding. Verse 8 for if, then fruit. You gain these things, you're going to gain more fruit. Your aroma, your fragrance is going to grow. And then in verse 9, he talks about blindness. You know, um, blindness being a lack of eternal perspective. Which kingdom am I working toward? And if you guys remember, man, I'll tell you, I don't remember very many sermons, but I remember something from Jonathan's sermon, the very first series when he talked about, I am the light of the world. And if you guys remember near the end, he was almost apologetic, and then he said, but I'm not going to apologize. He said, you that have moved into this community, you that have chosen to stay in this community, did so for a reason. We did it purposefully. I mean, Betty and I just didn't trip and end up in Detroit. We made up our minds to move here, and we took steps to do so. But do you guys remember what Jonathan's admonition was? rekindle in your mind why we're here to see this community transformed both spiritually and practically. If we forget that and we just settle into you know, life, so like Betty and I can just stay inside of our almost suburban home where we're at. And what JD say? Man, used to hang out at the park all the time, play basketball. Used to have conversations with my neighbor. And Jonathan said, told on himself, he's all, man, I'm not doing that like I should. So what did Jonathan do? He reminded himself, why am I here? What's my purpose? To see communities transform both spiritually and physically. We only do that We can only go here. We can only choose self-discipline as we remind ourselves of the eternal consequences, of the eternal prospect. And I mean, think about it, man. I'm going to be 60 in about four or five days. Maybe I got another 20 in me, eh? Okay? And then what? Then what? I'm going to be dancing. And I told Betty, when I die, she's going to be playing 
rocking music and you guys better be partying if you're at my funeral. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, looks at himself, goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. We need to continue to remind ourselves who rescued us. We need to continue to remind ourselves who we rely on. And the last hour is we need to continue to remind ourselves about remaining in the vine, security in the vine. Verse 7, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And so prove to be my disciples. Let me ask you a question. Would an orange ask the vine that it's on, hey, can I be an apple? Can I be a leopard? Of course not. Why not? It doesn't even know anything apart from being an orange. Its very DNA nature is it's an orange. The scripture says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. Now I want you guys to hear me because this is important. Remember I said earlier about understanding the full counsel of God. Genesis through Revelations. There are times that we as believers do a disservice to ourselves, to the kingdom of God, to our neighbors, to our friends when we shy away from tackling conversations that are difficult, or theology that's difficult. There are, I don't even know what you call them because they're not men of God, but there are people that would claim to be men of God who take the gospel and pervert it. And one that we always talk about here is the prosperity message. That's heretical. And the scriptures that they use that talk about blessing and prosperity and all that are still scripture they haven't made them up but they've taken them out of context and i'm afraid that very often we look at this i mean think about what this says ask whatever you wish and it's going to be done for you whatever you wish will be done for you now man I wish for filet mignon, lobster, and a Porsche. (laughs) But that's unhealthy. And as the orange doesn't say to its vine, I want to be an apple, as a child of God, I recognize there's something wrong with that statement. So do I have a filet mignon once in a while? Yeah. You guys know I dig nice cars. But I try to be fully gospel-centric in my thinking towards that. Psalm 37.4 says this. It says uh, that the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. Now, there's two ways to look at that. There's a one way. Hey, then I'm going to get lobster, filet mignon, and I'm going to drive Porsches, right? He's going to give me the desires of my heart. Those are the desires of my heart. Or, and I think the correct way, I know the correct way, is when you become a believer, your DNA is such that you want the things of God, 
ask whatsoever you will, and it's going to be done for you because we want the will of God. Now, do we have to fight temptation? Yes. Do we have to fight the flesh? Yes. But our DNA is no longer the wild olive tree. Our DNA is no longer the kingdom of darkness. It's the kingdom of light. And we're in the cultivated olive tree. We are in the family of God. I want to give you one other thing here. I think it's important, and I told Martha, Martha and I were talking about this earlier. So there's times that probably all of us have been in a conversation with somebody and they say, well, you know, I just, I'm going to go with what my heart tells me. And for some of us who know the scripture, what's the first thing that pops in your mind? Heart is, yeah, heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can trust it? Now, at times, that's probably an appropriate response but I think a knee-jerk reaction that we've done is that we've isolated that scripture like I'm telling you not to do. Because if you look at Jeremiah 17, 5 through 10, I don't have it up here, but 5 says, the man who trusts in humanity, the man who trusts in flesh is cursed. You want to trust in your wealth? You want to trust in your pedigree? You want to trust in an insecure foundation? You're a fool and you're going to be cursed. Right after that it says, but he who trusts in the Lord will be blessed by God. And then after that, the next verses in verse 10 says, because the Lord says, I search out the hearts of men and I give to them according to what their actions have done. So what that tells me is we can do righteous actions, we can do unrighteous actions. And to blatantly say to somebody, you're a fool for trusting your heart, is not totally accurate. Let's make sure we get that straight. As vines, as, or I'm sorry, as branches with spiritual DNA, we can and should be making healthy decisions because we're abiding in the vine. We're abiding in his word. His word is abiding us in us. It's renewing our mind so that instead of me just saying, hey, it's cool for me to spend $200,000 on a car, I realize probably not the best idea. Let's, let's scale this back a little bit because I want to see the kingdom flourish, not only in my life, but in the community around us. So I really want you guys to, to hear that. Now, I'm, I'm sorry to say this. I'm not going to have time, I don't think, to talk about verses 7 and 8. Suffice it to say is this. I'm going to be real brief. Mac's, Mac Ave's mission statement is, Mac Ave Community Church exists to bring honor and attention to God by the power of the Spirit. This is accomplished through the assembling and equipping of the saints for worship, being faithful witnesses of Christ, and through the gospel initiating people into the family of God, the family that exhibits allegiance to Christ through love and service, all in the context of unity. And again, just for sake of time, guys, because I really want you to remember what we discussed. I just want to say, verse 8 says, that if we're fruitful, then God is glorified. And Max's mission statement is, we're going to honor and glorify God. And how are we going to do that? By being fruitful. How do we be fruitful? By recognizing we've been rescued, recognizing we rely because we've got new spiritual DNA, 
and recognizing that there is security in Christ where we can remain, but we have to press on in remaining to do so. So I'm going to skip to the end. I want to talk to you guys. John 1.28 says, where are you staying? I want to give you the context and what's going on. John the Baptist, a couple of his disciples, are standing on Mac and Van Dyke. (laughs) Jesus is walking towards the Eastern Market. And John says, behold, the Lamb of God. Jesus keeps walking. Disciples hear what John said. And they start following after Jesus. Jesus hears footsteps. And he turns around and he says, what are you guys looking for? And you know what they say? They say, where are you abiding? Where are you staying? Where is, where is your home? Where are you receiving sustenance and nurturing and safety and food and drink? So my question to you is simple. Where are you staying, MacAvers? Where are you living? Are you abiding in Christ? Are you living in his word? Are you living in discipleship relationships? Are you living in the one-on-one relationship? Are you living in the Mac group relationship? Are you living in the Mac life? Are you living, coming Sunday morning to hear the word of God that that word is going to continue to be your life source reminding you once again who the vine is and who the branches are. Remember Jesus' words, apart from me, you can do nothing. In closing, I just want to say, man, in life, in marriage, in Detroit, in racial understanding, in social justice, in the demands of discipleship are in many ways burdens which can become overwhelming. I want to tell you a quick story. Month, month and a half ago, I get a phone call about 8 o'clock at night. And it's uh, James Lavallo. And he says, hey, Matt, says somebody kicked in our front door. We need to borrow a circular saw. Is it okay if we come borrow a circular saw? I said, yeah, sure, man. Sorry, bro. He says, hey, would you mind coming over and taking a look at this? My dad's here, but I, maybe you, know, you can look at something. I go walking over, and I walk in the front door, and... <clears throat> Maggie's standing there. And I said, man, I don't even know what to say. Because most of you guys know, Lavalos have gotten beat up, man. More, I think more than anybody in here. And you know what Maggie does? She looks at me and she says, we're getting better at handling this stuff. Guess what? She knows who her vine is. She's got an eternal perspective. And I, I was like, speechless. I'm all like, I wouldn't have said that. I would have started complaining and griping. Maggie says, man, we're getting better at handling this stuff. Man, I got to tell you, that's a right-on statement. She knows who her source is. She knows what tomorrow holds, eternity, as we make righteous choices now. So we're going to have a time of communion, and we're going to have a time of offering.